Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 176. A fire chat conversation about personal finance and dividend growth investing. Dividend Talk is your number one podcast for all things dividend and stock market related with a unique European flavor. My name is Derek from Engineer My Freedom and I'm joined with my co-host European DJI. If you want to learn more about us, please visit europeandji.com where we have articles on dividend growth investing, including 30 European dividend aristocrats. While you're there, you might as well grab our free dividend portfolio tracker template. We also offer a premium dividend growth service featuring a bi-weekly newsletter, which includes stock deep dives, dividend stock cards, and access to our dashboard with over 130 dividend growth stocks. All of this is based on our very own dividend safety analysis. But enough about that. Please grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. Hey, European DJ. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. I, I love this time of year. Ah, oh, definitely, definitely. You know, I'm already looking forward for the package, uh, the boxes below the tree. Of course, not for others, but for myself. It's that time of the year that, uh, you know, we give a lot, but hopefully we also get something nice in return besides dividends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, uh, dividends is quite nice, but uh, as you said, it's, it's the time of year for, for giving. It's the time of year for getting sometimes. But honestly, like for me, it's just about chilling out relaxing spending time with family and sometimes not even having a plan just not day to day just being able to to wake up in the morning and say let's do this today let's chill out let's watch movies like yesterday i finished work early i came home and i sat down with my son and i watched two christmas movies i don't think i sat down and watched two movies with him all year and he just sat down he cuddled into me he's 11 but he, he got a blanket he cuddled into me we had some hot chocolate it's to me it's, uh, it's nice, that's nice. what that's what it's all about um, and I think I think that's the inspiration for our show today. We're going to have a little bit of a deep conversation. Uh, sometimes we don't get too deep. We like to uh, joke around a bit, but I'm quite looking forward to to seeing what's in your in your mind when it comes to personal finance and, of course, DJI. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's so relatable to what you say. Like, this is the time that we don't need to do anything, but we can only do the stuff we want, right? Of course, we have some family obligations. For some people, they are looking forward to it. Other people are thinking like, well, oh my bloody hell. I guess it really depends on whether you like your mother-in-law or not. <laughs> but generally speaking, uh, for me, this is all good. I'm really looking forward to see my family. I haven't seen them for ages. Uh, just been too busy and they live mostly on distance. So... Uh, really time for this and look i don't know what you do but sometimes i also sneak out during the christmas days and just listen to a podcast of course i don't listen to our own again because i know already what we're saying but there are so many good podcasts around there and for me it's also always something special like reading a book or something like that or, or doing a podcast so um yeah very very uh looking forward to what's coming and i'm now drinking my nice winter tea here with some honey in it so i'm really prepared for this deep fire chat conversation uh, yeah. here but maybe before we start um uh, with that 
like next week on Saturday morning, um, 10 a.m. UK time, GMT or Irish time, or 11 a.m. Let's say uh, West, the rest of Western Europe time, uh, CET. <laughs> we will be doing a live show. Yeah, so people can sign up. We'll put the link in the description of this podcast. It's a G form. You can you can sign up, and we will send you an invite, and you can join the show live. You can ask your questions live. It will be all in the spirit of looking backwards on 2023, maybe our learnings, uh, uh, how our investments were doing, and such. Um, so, and and actually, we want to probably ask you also some questions. So, if you want to take the opportunity to join the show live then hey let us know sign up and and join us on saturday morning next week yeah so i, I think we, we have a little bit of a different format today we'll, we'll, we're not going to do the news of the week we'll do that maybe next week we might look back at the news of the year so we might jump straight in to the main topic um and look we're, we're better to start you've been on this journey a little bit longer than i have um which sometimes is an inspiration to me because i can see where on the curve i am in relation to where you are and where you are but when you look back what are you most proud of what's what's the best what's, well yeah what are you most proud of for the entire journey right i mean look i'm now realizing more and more at the stage where i am i'm, I'm still not uh, financially independent and such but i don't have any stress anymore about money sometimes i just don't know what to do with the cash yeah because it is really the power of compounding and for me i'm probably going to be from my direct relatives probably to be the first millionaire in the family yeah or even in my whole circle of friends and you need to know that i come for probably from the furthest compared to others yeah and 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 this is something that is so special and the only thing is that i discovered personal finance in the sense of like spend less than you uh, earn and invest the rest it's really that mindset while still being happy because yeah. i haven't given in on happiness which is also very interesting right i just just stopped to being consumer i benefit from my investing from consumerism so i would of course encourage everyone to overpay for stuff and and, and specifically for the holdings that i have <laughs> but myself i'm not participating anymore in it as such and i'm really it's not like i'm i'm, I'm eating white bread only with butter um, yeah uh, every day it's not like um i don't drive a, a normal car i just drive now an older car because i'll i'll drive it almost to the end instead of buying every three four years a new car which i was used to doing right because yeah. why not uh, this is the 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 middle class life we are supposed to live yeah so for me being at the stage where money is just not a problem anymore nothing to worry for i can buy almost everything out of pocket uh, that 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 is for me like uh, already a level of freedom which i i could only dream of i would have if you asked me like 15 20 years ago i would have thought uh, you, you just work till you die yeah. is the, the millionaire comment really triggered me there and it, it, it's quite a funny thing because that has such a status behind it doesn't everybody wants to be a millionaire and, and once you get to a million i suppose those with a million probably want want to move on but you said you'd probably be the first in relatives and family to to make that step was that a motivating factor for you did you think about that when you sat down and, and thought about investing in the beginning no not at all never not at all never never because because i have to say that is something i had and and 
I, I flick back over and I, I keep all my goals over the years. And before I started investing, maybe a year or two before that, I had put that I'd be a millionaire before I'm 45 um, yeah. on that. And I, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a motivating factor, but it was just a, a target or a goal that I had just put mm -hmm. there. Just, just I had something to reach. I wanted, cause like, like you, I would be the first millionaire within well, my friends and family. Immediate yeah. family. Yeah. I would be the first millionaire there. So, to me, that would be something, a significant milestone, particularly when I don't have, let's say, like the highest paying job. I'm not earning two or three exactly. hundred thousand. No years. inheritance. It just, as you said, middle class, just working hard to it. So to me, that would be an achievement. And it was a stepping stone to a, yeah, it's pretty much a goal that I would like to aim and achieve for. So yeah, it was, it was interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just realized that this year somewhere when I was just doing my, uh, i said my forecasting uh based on the compounding that's happening and i felt like oh my god if, if i will do this i will become a millionaire i never really realized it because millionaire for me has always been considered unachievable yeah. that's something for the the people that uh, start a business uh become very successful and and therefore become a millionaire and i never thought you can get there via working and and i'm still far away from that right but if i stay healthy i will achieve this in my life yeah and and that's and even even let's say inflation adjusted right i will achieve that with the compounding if i don't do anything stupid and continue on the path i am and, and for me this like like beyond my imagination um, yeah. i never never consider there and i'm not talking here about uh an illiquid millionaire and about having money in your house and your house gross value i'm not talking about net worth i'm talking about uh, short-term cash and equivalents uh, uh which which is effectively our portfolio and and, and things we have on the bank yeah uh, yeah i am I'm, I'm quite confident that i'll get will get there the only thing i need to focus on is health yeah make sure that i stay healthy that i invest in that don't and both mentally and physically so far so good um, but you know it takes an effort to to be in shape and, and to stay yeah. in shape right but never had it as a goal honestly um okay my so my, my my goal was just like um and the need for freedom to be able to make my own decisions and honestly i've got so far over the last 10 years i only had great bosses that i loved working for so i never had the feeling that uh, i i was missing something at work or something like that because within the context that i need to work i've got it really really good yeah for me more it's like the freedom of choice like how i spent my day um and i will never stop working from that point of view it's in me to always create something but that freedom of choice is what i was needing not waking up for someone else but because i want this prelim preliminary maybe start a business i'm very risk averse maybe start a business like a, a low cash business that i can do but i wouldn't need to make a profit or yeah. something like that so 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 then how do you how do you define like what you said is great i mean in terms of financially free and and not having to work for someone else but but you do okay and, and i do so how how do you define success what is success what does it mean to you to be successful in this so effectively uh, am i feeling more free over time and i do i i started this saying like okay uh, sometimes i'm getting so much cash in that i don't know what to do with it uh, at sense other than investing yeah because now the dividends are coming in i'm having already a savings rate of 50 percent or something like that 
So on top of that, the dividends coming in. So you just know that you can pay for almost everything out of pocket. In the past, I had to save up for a holiday. Yeah, now, now I just pay for it and just out of cash straight away. So this is a certain of, this is luxury, this is privilege. I worked hard for it. Yeah, and, and so it's not privilege in the sense of like, uh, I, I got it with a silver spoon or something like that. No, but it's a situation you are in that you can afford many things without the sacrifices that you need to make because I made those sacrifices in the past. I'm now now plucking the fruits uh, literally from it. So that's for me a sign of success. I just don't worry about money. Yeah. And has that changed over time? If you look back five years ago, was your mm -hmm. definition of success the same? um oh five years ago five years ago i was probably more focused on getting the snowball started properly yeah and making sure that i'm consistent disciplined making sure that i've got my cost under control um my spending under control making sure um i sit also that i raise my kids in in such a manner um i think that's where my focus was more um but at a certain moment, you you tick those boxes off, yeah. Uh, uh, there, so yes, the snowball started running, and it is true what they say. This phys uh, psychological barrier is around hundred k, because suddenly you're getting around two hundred fifty euro to three hundred dividends coming in each month, uh, pre-tax. So after tax, maybe let's say two hundred euros. But this 200 euro that you're getting, it's not like for Europeans like 200 euro each month. This, for instance, five six hundred euro in May. And when you realize how much money that is, it starts to click, right? And and then you really, ah, the 100K is really this psychological barrier. And then you start to shift your thinking already. Okay, done that, yeah. kind of. The ball, the snowball starts running. And then it becomes the feeling of the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, at that time, you're still like warming up. Uh, and it's a really long lead. It's your training for the marathon, yeah, until the 100K. But then once the 100K starts, it's the marathon because I'm now in the mid of things of the journey and this mid of the journey is by many people considered the boring journey yeah yeah where you start to maybe drift from your goal uh, or something like that and and i think this is where i often hear people in the community talking about it the boring myth uh, here and i see that but my my longing for financial freedom is so much stronger that i'm just continuing to be so-called laser focused on this one <laughs> yes we got it we got that's number one let's see how many times we'll say that um, but yeah it's, it's 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 such an interesting interesting concept you talk about the 100k and and i have my eyes firmly set on that it's a barrier i want i want to break and i think how far off are you um roughly i'm, I'm nearly there i'm nearly there so yeah. oh, this year was quite a strange year so at, at the beginning of the year I thought I was going to get closer than what I was going to get, but it felt like every time I was investing money, the market was going down. So overall, I wasn't I wasn't going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, we've had December, and it's like popped, and I'm nearly yeah. I'm closer to it now. I think I'm 90k or something like that. So yes. it's close. But for the whole year, I was looking. It was like I was putting in money. Yeah. It was it was either staying the same or going down. Staying yeah. the same or going down. It was never going up. So it was um. It was it was funny when I looked at it. When do we have? We had two really good days in a row, and I looked at my portfolio. It's like, oh wow, I'm actually getting close mm, to nice. what I'm thinking because your portfolio starts to recover. But on on one side, all year we've been saying 
stock market's down, it's great, it's great, it's great. But then yeah. when you have this goal of reaching a figure like a hundred K, you don't want the stock market to be down. So it's like polar opposites, like yeah, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, but 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 from that point of view, right? What what are you most proud on if you if you look at the entire journey so far? Yeah, it's like to me it's 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 something similar to to what you have so i, I remember and i think i told this story before but i, I remember a, a point in my adult life where i relied on my brother who's younger than me and i'm going to say because he's not listening um not as smart as me <laughs> no but he um i relied on him one year for christmas he had to help me with money he had to give me uh -huh. cash and i had to buy presents and and he did that and he never asked for anything in return ever obviously um as a proud man that hurt me a lot it, it it took it took quite a lot to to ask for the money and then you have this deep yeah. regret and and guilt and you i mean it was just before my kids my first before i found out jean my wife was pregnant with um my first child um so it was just around that time so it, i had to take a step back and think what i want and i always always said to myself i'm never going to let myself get into that position again i'm never mm -hmm. going to be in a situation where I depend on money or depend on someone else for money. And I think that's something I'm most proud of. Uh, like, like as what you say, I don't usually check my bank account. I know what comes in and what goes out, but I don't usually have to check because I'm not worried because there's always something there. So if something comes up like dishwasher goes or we want to book a holiday on the spot, we do that. So I booked Vegas. I booked Vegas next year. So I, I paid for it. I paid for me. I paid for my wife, but I paid for yeah. two other people. Now they were going to pay me back, but they just didn't have the money when it was going. But I could do that in the knowledge that I have a buffer there. And, and that's that's what I'm proud of that I've worked worked so hard to, to deliver that. And honestly, seeing them dividends come in, I'm up nearly I'm past the four thousand euro a year. Yeah. That's mind blowing for me. Four thousand yeah. euro a year in dividends is is something i i never would have thought even when i started in 2017 that i would have yeah. got that amount hey, and then what is interesting right that period um, um that you mentioned that you had to borrow money from your brother it must have been tough for your wife as well right so uh, how do your wife and brother look back at you at that time yeah i mean it, it was so hard so so at the time she was my wife she was my my girlfriend so i tried to hide so a lot. it wasn't decided yet yeah i did I tried to hide a lot and we we weren't even moved in together at, at the time we we're yeah. in the process and 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 to be honest with you i was working at the time i was working in um was electrician i was earning lots and lots of money more money probably if i was to look back at it more money than what i was earning uh maybe two years ago I was yeah. earning as as 18 19 20 um i yeah. was an electrician there was loads of money we had the boom this boom in ireland i was yeah. doing mixers so earning money wasn't the problem it was what i was doing with the money and i and mm -hmm. i just left it go i bought it i went out and bought a jeep um a land rover honestly i looked about 12 right and i was in this big <laughs> land rover i had no business but i spent 60k on that and put it on finance for yeah just for show you know so it was them kind of decisions but my wife has gained a lot of trust and she trusts me with these decisions because she know what i went through and she's yeah. seen how then how i've been laser focused number two and and <laughs> actually never allowing that to happen and, and honestly that's been my single single goal since then was to never allow myself to rely on on everyone else and, yeah. and i pushed that i pushed that with my wife i say look she started investing this year she started a pension though she never had she goes i, I don't need to you're doing it but i said what if 
what if something happens to me what if we don't work out what if this you need to not rely on someone else don't make the same mistake i did and to her credit she she's a quick learner she listened and she starts she started investing this year which is also something i'm quite proud of yeah i should add that to my wish list and goal list uh, because my wife is also a bit hands off there and uh, I, yeah I, I need to work on that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you should uh, what was the book again that you uh mentioned both for your wife um oh, there was a couple of books so the, the one first... with the buckets uh yeah, bare, barefoot barefoot investor barefoot investor okay yeah. i'm going to buy my wife that now it's it's very australian in terms of it's an australian yeah. book but the concepts behind it i think are very good and and to my wife's credit she speaks to her friends about this all the time she has this revolute app and she does have the buckets in a revolute app and you can yeah. see it and, and she actively manages this and, and works with this and and it's really helped her i have to say it's really helped and is her. that the book that inspired her the most to get started yeah 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 because okay. honestly it is so easy to read you don't have to be you don't have to understand like you don't have to, she doesn't she used to say i don't have the brain for this i can't understand this and i said yeah. read this book it is just so easy to follow it's yeah. worth reading and it, yeah it's, it's been her biggest inspiration yeah and and then like that was then right when you get started what you're most proud on but how, how was it for you during the journey have things shifted in your thinking like like the, your definition of success uh, um yeah yeah so in in the beginning, as I said, I I was laser focused number three on that millionaire status, and and honestly, I, I want that. And I actually looked at some of them, some of them other goals that I had. I had um, I wanted to buy a Jaguar, not because, not because it was um, how how would, how would I describe it? Based because Jaguars are not middle class; don't tend to drive them around where I'm from. It's, uh, kind, of, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of a status thing. But I I wanted yeah. to be able to afford something like that, and I had the exact model I wanted yeah. to buy and, and all that. But obviously, I have shifted from that since then over time. Uh, honestly, the material stuff I don't give two hoots about. Uh, all yeah. all that is gone. My my biggest thing, like you, is is being able to have the freedom of choice. Being able to if you to work if I if I really want to, I won't. But also with my kids, I want them to be set up in a way where I don't want them to work in a factory like I'm working. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I don't, because it's, okay, I, I'm an engineer and I, I enjoy what I do, but there's people that are not engineers. They're what you call operators and yeah. they click a button every two seconds. I mean, I'm moving something from here to there and it's such a job that they get paid probably probably the same amount as I do. But it's just so mind-numbing and i don't want my yeah. kids to have that i want them to to want to make a difference i want them to trust themselves i think i think we lose that in ourselves we work for someone else because we don't trust yeah. in ourselves and that's that's my goal is to okay teach them show them that i can do it earning not a high amount of money and then give them the confidence to to build their own success yeah. for, for me this has been this year often in my mind it's probably one of the topics that kept my mind a lot busy like how do i raise my kids in a proper way so that they appreciate uh, things in life that they didn't get things like a sp silver spoon that yeah. they built character because yeah. i see a lot in society mental health related issues and i sometimes feel like that kids nowadays have it tough yeah with all 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 that is around them yeah uh, let's say 
So how do you build character? How do how do you teach them financial discipline? How do you teach them to appreciate the little things and yeah. don't take things for granted? I I I have I haven't got it figured it out. I find it really really difficult. Um, I'm, I'm now talking with my son a lot about Revolut. Yeah. He wants a PlayStation Five. He says like, Father, it's so difficult for me to save. And and how do you, for instance, not buy this bag of chips when you're in the shop? Because I know you love chips, right? Yeah. And I, say, and, and I must say, just honestly, I I don't know. I just avoid going to the shop uh, um, and and going through that ISIL. To, to to do this but i don't have the answer for him either uh, as such right so it's hard, so difficult yes it's such a hard question i've got two boys and up polar opposites in that respect one of them yeah. one of them is is can save he can put his money away he can go into a shop and not actually what he'll do is he'll buy something for you and for me he not buy it yeah, for that's my daughter yeah um, and, and and he's like that whereas the other guy he would buy it for him and forget about us and he, he just yeah. can't save and, and like the, exactly the different then I, I get what you're saying for me the, the appreciation of little things and not expecting everything to be handed on is is one of the biggest yeah. things i have and i can't help them with appreciation of the little things but with the other stuff i can so how i do that is yeah. they want fifa it's not yeah. her birthday it's not christmas you can have yeah. fifa but you're buying it i'm not buying it exactly they have, they have savings um and yeah. if they really want something that they, they'll buy it and if they don't yeah. have the money they just have to wait yeah so so um, my son would let's say only do something until he has the money saved for that game and then <laughs> he will not save again so yeah. But you know, it's still young. It's it's a journey, right? But this will be a difficult one. But it also sometimes triggers my thinking, like, okay, you know what? Once I will be at the age of uh, of needing to hand over my portfolio, to which of the two kids do you give the management away, right, of, of the portfolio, yeah. or do you do inheritance? It's still a bit early, but those thoughts start coming to my mind uh, uh, now and then. And do you have something similar? No, not in terms of who's going to manage my portfolio because we've given them their own portfolio and, and they manage yeah. that. So I, I imagine my portfolio, when, when the time comes, I will split it 50-50, two mm. kids, and I don't know if they will yeah. take care of it or what they will do with it. But, yeah. but they will have their own portfolio. Touch yeah. wood, touch wood, I, li I, I like yeah. that long word. Yeah, so I, I read, so one of the books, and um, uh, maybe that's a, a little bridge to the next one, like uh, that I reread re today was The Richest Man of Babylon. And the father here um, also kind of was teaching the son about how to how to deal with money and uh, to be able to manage the, the estate later. And the son squandered it all and had to earn it back in a few years, right? And then he was kind of able to, to prove himself to do that. So I guess this this thinking is also a bit inspired by that book that really triggered my thinking like, okay, you know, but I would love my kids uh, when they are 20 or 25 to take control over my portfolio. Yeah, uh, at least like like for 20 or 30%. Think about it like uh, Buffett who is, uh, who is uh, raising up uh, the next CEO. Yeah, they need to they need to have some money to, to, to manage. Yeah, if you keep it all with yourself, you don't teach them. So I would love them when they're in their early 20s, let's say take 10 or 20% of the portfolio um, and, and yeah. teach them these lessons in life. I don't expect them to be uh, having the same passion for it, but at least that they learn a bit the basics of money management uh, here and then make some choices and learn from it and have those learnings early. Yeah, yeah, I, th I, I think that is, and that's, 
that's one of the reasons I've given them control over their own portfolio. I yeah. don't make any decision. They ultimately I try and guide them, but ultimately yeah. they will they will tell me what they want to buy. So I think it's important you make mistakes and you allow yourself to make a mistake because if, if yep. they feel like they have to be perfect or they have to manage your mm -hmm. portfolio, they might be scared to make a decision because, okay, my dad might be mad if I do this and I lose money. Whereas yeah. when it's their own money, they might say, okay, let's, let's do it. If they're wrong, they can look back. If they're right, they can pat themselves on the yeah. back. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons I was so keen on getting them involved and having their own portfolio as soon as, soon as they yeah. showed a little bit of an interest. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I, they have a small portfolio, but they have no interest. So uh, I'm, I'm just taking some money each year in there and then let it compound. I, I only open the account around, uh, between Christmas and New Year yeah. because that's when I do the investment. So next week I will do again. We'll figure out what to buy. And then I don't open the account for a year. Yeah, that's typically how it goes. Uh, but, probably, uh, it probably yeah. perform better than the rest of us. <laughs> I, I, I will check. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But hey, uh, from, speaking about books, like, is there any book or article that really you learned uh, or read this year that you really felt like, oh, I learned something here or inspired me the most? Yeah, it's, you know, this time, this time of year, it's funny you mentioned at the start that it's a time to sit down and read a book. And I typically will this time of year because I will have time. I will start into January and I will I will keep yeah. it up as for as long as possible. But I know it's February, March, April, then boom, my book reading yeah. goes down. But I have read I have read a couple of books this year. One on valuation one on about real estate investment trusts but the one that i did like and and it's not that it taught me anything new but it did like the income factor we spoke about it before yeah. because not that it in itself is saying it's successful but what it shows is that there's many different ways of there's many ways of being a, an investor but there's actually many ways of being a dividend and dividend growth investor as well there's not just yeah. one path to follow and sometimes you can get pigeonholed into one particular way of doing mm -hmm. things um, yeah. and there is other ways so I, I did enjoy that book from that perspective it did show me you no know, the only problem is you can read that and think i should be chasing high yield and that that could be a problem but yeah. i think there is wisdom in having like we have allocation strategies but maybe an allocation strategy within your portfolio within your actual yeah. strategy as well so that that's something that i, I did like. and it was it was easy to read i'm in the middle of reading a book about real estate investment trust and honestly that's been really helpful in terms of how to look at reads look at the different types of leases what's on that balance sheet but not only that look at the types of companies they own so when you're looking at vici or you're looking at yeah realty income actually you have to think about who's renting from them what's day to day and can they afford it and lots of different things i've picked up that maybe i would have overlooked before so yeah yeah nice one nice uh, one how about you even a non-investing book what what so so for me it was the richest man in babylon i just didn't read it for many many years and reading it now again was very very um very interesting very interesting because it's it's all about storytelling and uh, specifically the relationships in there um and how people perceive certain people that's what i really liked about this book and um, i found it yeah, inspirational. It, I mean, it's typically written in such an over-the-top storytelling way, so you need to yeah. see through that a little bit. But no, that was definitely the the book that triggered most of my um, thinking. And then, if it's a non-financial book, is uh, I read Andre Agassi's uh, biography, oh, yeah. the tennis player. Oh my God! I mean, what a 
he, he did everything god forbid i think uh but also uh i mean the character the the emotion the passion the hate for the sport at the same time i mean it was such so interesting to read a little bit how his mind worked how he experienced being a, a professional tennis player um how his father was teaching him and and how this also turned into a hate for the sport for him how he married this brooks lady at the time as well it, it was very very uh interesting for me to read i, I love such biographies about sport players because sport play sport players are typically really operating on high performance and there's so much to learn from them but at the same time those people that you, where you're child heroes you you see that they also have weaknesses and that makes it very relatable they're human like i always yeah. envisage sports probably more football players that's what it was into but they're almost like superhuman you you feel like they get up in the morning they play football 12 hours yeah. They go home they have dinner and go to bed and that's what that's what that's what you think yeah, but yeah, actually, yeah. when you when you read their book um it's it's something completely different so it's um yeah, that's nice very gifted guy but i have to say you, you you triggered me earlier when you were talking about having so much cash sometimes you don't know what to do with it and i've always wondered okay so you have this right and and i assume you're, you're open with your wife and she knows that you have this excess cash you want to invest it maybe like how how do you manage how do you balance that if maybe your family want to spending on something else and you want to yeah. invest it how do you manage that um well i always say at home it's not a democracy <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't work in a family a democracy you don't want your kids to decide about your money at that, that time right we just spoke about it now generally speaking i think like i mean we go four times a year on holiday yeah so it, it's so the balancing for me I, I think we have a rich life like that we do what what we want to do mm, although maybe a far trip uh intercontinental we want to we want to do but it's not so much about the money it's more about the timing the season and you know being a parent both working parents with a career meaning like putting the extra effort in at times plus two kids with lots of side activities this is just a grind these these few years are the hardest because it's like uh, you're living for others mostly as well yeah. in the sense of you wake up in the morning um you prepare the kids bring them to school you uh, you get quickly back to work you put your effort in at work because you know you have also responsibility there that uh, uh, people depend on you in my case so you work your ass off during the day then uh, when the day is done the kids are being picked up in the meanwhile you bring them to sport activities afterwards and before you know it is 9 9 p.m in the evening yeah and then your day starts uh, yeah. for yourself but your wife also wants to talk and then uh, so I, I would say like there's not an issue with balancing with money but it's just balancing time and, yeah. and, and the money doesn't buy me time yet because it hasn't yet resulted in for instance working less um uh, maybe in the future i don't see how i could do that right now in the work that i'm doing with the work we have ahead of us and i like my work too much to to make changes there you yeah. know so if you need to work you better have the nicest job in the world if you need to work anyway that's always my philosophy and, and how does your wife feel if you work 
does she feel you work too much i mean look you you go to no work. no we have we have this luxury that we can work from home yeah so we do see each other we we do have those little moments during the day it was not the same before COVID. before COVID, we wouldn't see each other all day it was way more stress on the relationship yeah and then also after so many years of being together you build understanding for each other you build understanding what's needed so she goes out for sporting in the evening a few times in the week and there's no complaint like oh you've been out no i've been also out and we'll make that we typically reserve the time for us in the weekend that's really our time and nothing can uh change that yeah, yeah. so we we have this uh good understanding together uh, and i think that's also important to, to have a successful relationship uh, as such because i can i can try to be with my wife financially independent but if it's then uh, a divorce along the way or we are both unhappy afterwards then what what, what was it worth it it's i don't live fight. for the money i live for 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 the people around me uh, yeah. and myself yeah 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 no, I, my wife is similar but where, where she differs is she feels like i'm working too much because i i literally get up in the morning I have coffee, start the kids, but I will be on my email straight away. Just work, 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 and I come home. And sometimes I just can't switch off. And she's like, "Just, just relax." So she, she has times where she takes my phone, takes my laptop, and says, "Okay, that's enough. Just you'll burn yourself out. Go back to it in an hour. Go back to it in the morning." The yeah, exactly. Burn down. Um, yeah. I, I said to her today, "I'm taking a half day today. Um, I'm finishing at ten o'clock, um, and we're going to record a podcast." And she said. I believe it when I see it. <laughs> exactly worse because because every time I say that, I just you know yourself. Yeah. When you're in work or in the moment, and I don't like to leave something, so it's um, yeah. But I'm you happy. go, you have to go into the office. I, I don't need to. I can work from home. Yeah, uh, I I do go into the office because I I, I go nuts being uh, only at home. But yeah, no, no. So look, um, I, I I personally enjoy the present. I would like to do a bit more, uh, seeing a bit more from the world. So that's one of the goals going forward, probably to do a long distance trip. But next year is already booked. Yeah, yeah because we really enjoy going on vacation with friends. So we we made already plans. So again, next next year probably no intercontinental holiday, which which I, I feel like I'm kicking the can in front of me, and I would love to do this together with my wife and the kids. So. Maybe the year after. Yeah, you can put. I think you can book eighteen months maybe in advance. So just just they were halfway through the year. Book yeah. it for the year after, and then you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, and then you're all set. Um, but let's let's go back to investing in dividend investing. Do you ever doubt your strategy? Do you ever do you ever think maybe it's not the right maybe it's not the right path to take? Uh, yes and no. Um, I've been so. Look, sometimes you see these stories about people that got to the goals much faster because they invested in certain assets, whether, for instance, real estate. Yeah. Yes. Uh, why not uh, buy apartment blocks uh, or apartments here or condos, as they say in the US, buy them, uh, make a deal with the bank, uh, get renters, rentals in there. And within five, six years, some people can be financially independent because I do have the discipline to be on such a path. Yeah, I see that in myself because my savings rate is enormous compared to others um, here. But but we can maybe talk about that later, why that is as well. Um, so maybe I would have been financially independent if I would have gone down the real estate route. So yes, definitely I've doubted about such things. Also seeing others here in Poland, there is often a culture of buying a flat for later. But then every time when I look at this, 
I don't see the value uh, being generated. The real estate market is really expensive here, so you will purely betting on be betting on uh, capital appreciation. And I love the current income. I want things to be cash flow positive from the get go, and um, not speculate on, on on price appreciation. So th these are kind of the, the things that hold me hold me back. But it's from the other side also good because I think I know I know my goal. I know what I need to do. It's just time that I need. Yeah, um, but that's why um, it's so easy to get distracted. I, I think as well. And we saw it in twenty twenty one. It was tough at times to keep your head cool. People were throwing money into all kinds of tongs. Let's say. Uh, tripling uh, in a few months and then you felt like am i the idiot here yeah so yeah i definitely doubt at times but over the years my conviction only came became stronger because really really slowly i start to see in the fog i start to see a finish line coming up in the sense of the crossover point of uh, dividends uh, versus expenses i would call it slim fire as they say uh, <laughs> so you know um uh, it will cover the expenses and that's it yeah but i'm sure that at that point i will anyway still make money yeah somehow um uh, in some way so um the doubt is becoming less and less by the year um uh, derek yeah. yeah and it's probably one of the biggest downfalls of social media is that we have access to everything instantly if you think back 30 maybe 40 years ago yeah. dividend investors you could you might see one or two people down the road investing in real yeah. estate and doing really well but you don't get the sense of this is how much i'm earning whereas now everything is in your face i'm earning a million i'm earning this and and actually i don't know about you but even on twitter i'm starting to see an options trading coming up more and more and people claiming to earn <laughs> upwards of a yeah. million a year and all these ridiculous ridiculous amounts and it's easy to fall into that trap um, yeah, but there's also a lot of scamming going on. So oh, my favorite YouTube channel from that yes. is Coffeezilla. Yeah, and when you watch him, how many people are scamming? You you just can't relate it. So I I never publish my my things online, and that's for for two reasons. And one big one of them is safety. Yeah, I just want to um, live a normal life. Let's say yeah. not being uh, afraid of things. But I do publish my annual report where I'm very uh, honest about things. But also we don't claim uh quick wealth quick richness we just we, we just we're the worst promoters because we're always saying it, in the end it's kind of boring yeah if you think about yeah. it, we have a passion for it but it's simple you just put some money every month into it so we don't promise such things so i also don't feel a need to be fooling disclosing it because we're not claiming things around it we're not claiming so much growth yeah we're yeah. we're more like sharing our journey in the sense of more inspiring educational uh, and such but there are so many scammers out there and and that's why i love uh, what a guy like coffeezilla is doing he's really exposing them with his, yeah. his, his detective job yeah and I, I just think it's so so important to, to learn that quickly and if if you see a scammer then you can start to because that's what open noise you can start to see that more and more people are scamming they're getting exposed for it you start to eventually put the blinkers on and yeah you see the same stuff but you're not taking taking it in and i tend to ignore pretty much what i see what i see on but that's how can i mean when you read those stories when you see those stories of the scammers i even wonder like how you can be a scammer and, and you know honestly sometimes i feel that these people just ran into it like they for instance they promise something 
at a certain moment they realized they couldn't uh, deliver on it and started to be caught into their own trap of lies and then just started building further and further and they end up scamming people and sometimes i see them being in denial and i, I yeah honestly sometimes i even believe them like i i don't believe the vast majority of people intend on scamming there's always going to be some individuals but i, yeah. I honestly don't believe and if you look back to bad blood with tanos yeah. um what's the girl's name um she went to jail yeah, yeah uh, i know i know him, i can't remember her name but she started yeah. out with, with a, a really good cause and, and something she believed in but then yeah. got caught up in it all in a web of lies caught in a web yeah. of lies and then so much money and then so many people were depending on her that she couldn't fail that yeah. she had to keep going um and she didn't set out to go on that path but she just fell into that yeah. and sometimes sometimes that can happen but i think on on the other side of it is you just have to be aware and and something that i've taught myself is to ignore what other people are doing and and yeah. just and focus on am i happy with what i have now and if the answer is yes then and why why why, why bother about the rest why yeah. change if the answer is no then i need to think about why why am i not happy and it, it's it really about the joy of missing out yeah, yeah exactly and if if my answer is is i'm not happy because x person is earning x amount then i know i'm thinking wrong that's greed and that's going to yeah. that's going to lead me but down. i had that in the beginning of my career i was so jealous of my colleagues that were getting a bigger salary hike or something like that and really had to learn to not be jealous like that i really had to learn that the only thing i can influence is my own my own performance uh, giving my best and then i may have an expectation that my boss rewards me for it yeah and if it, and if it's not and i judge that my market value is different i have a choice to change i yeah. shouldn't blame my boss yeah at that time i also should not be jealous of my colleagues if they get more salary hikes or something like that because i don't have an influence over, on it and i can better spend that time becoming better in what i do and adding more value to the company than being thinking about the others and getting into a negative mode uh, at work uh, yeah. and which only gets the cycle downwards right uh, as a result yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure how long we've been chatting, but I, I honestly feel like we could go. go on like We're this. at 15 minutes now, probably a, somewhere a couple there. More hours, but I do, I do want to touch on on one thing. You spoke, we spoke about having too much cash and all, and all this kind of thing. Do you ever think about giving to charity this time of year, or do you? you do you give? Um, yes and and no. Um, I don't like giving money because I think giving money as such doesn't really help individuals in the long term. I mean, if someone really needs something in the short term, yeah, but in the long term, not. But for instance, there are two things that I do. First of all, it's a really easy one. In Poland, when you do your tax return, you, get, you can give 1% or something like that to a charity. So via my taxes, I do this already. I even consider my entire tax uh, a charity because, um, for most of the percentages that I pay, I would say I'm a net contributor. I, so from the tax, what do I get back for it? I live in a safe society. I live, uh, there is a military and everything that's being invested. There's good infrastructure, but let's say half of my tax is probably spent on something that I benefit from. The other half, I, I yeah. consider this already charity because it's going to others uh, here, unfortunately, uh, because I would like to control where it goes to. Secondly, I'm uh, every every year I invest in Kiva, Kiva.org. Actually, yeah. uh, my money is paid back. I saw a message two weeks ago, so I can reinvest it again. And and Kiva is an organization where you 
um, can put money, let's say 100 euros, and you give micro credits to, I don't know, a woman who is selling soap in, in Kenya or something like that. And she then uh, needs 1,000 euros. She buys the ingredients, sells it, and, and from the sales, she buys this 1,000 back to the individuals that all contributed to this. So I'm doing that as well. And then usually here, it's more like locally um, yeah. uh, giving something here and there, but not a lot. Um, not a lot because I'm not at that stage yet where I feel like I can give back a lot. I mean, uh, uh, and, and money-wise, but for instance, what I am doing, and uh, I, I take my listeners serious, of course, but our podcast is a form of charity, yeah, because I'm spending a lot of time not just for myself and for you, but also for others, right? I'm really on a mission to help others take, take uh, how is it, finances into their own and financial freedom into their own. Because I, I believe that as society, our retirement system is not sustainable. I also wish that I had someone that could taught me everything I knew today. Yeah. yeah. So for me, this, um, and I don't mean this with disrespect, because when we talk about charity, we, we think about poor children, uh, orphanages, we talk about the elderly, but think about this dogma that we have in society that you just need to work and save and be a good citizen. For me, there's also a form of helping others. And I think the time you and I spent on, on, on answering questions, on, on, on preparing the podcast, to keeping a blog alive, is, is for me also a lot of contribution to society as a whole, let's say. Yeah, yeah, giving back, giving back in terms of time. Um, I, I, think, I think giving to charity is, is important but more so local charities i'm not i'm not a huge yeah, local believer. yeah i'm not a huge believer in the big charities because the money gets lost and and pays some executive and, and and i also <laughs> expect that also even locally that some of that money doesn't end up where it's supposed to be it is kind of like investing yeah sometimes you have a dividend cutter along the way yeah, yeah. i i have to give a shout out to to my niece i don't know if i said this on the podcast but back in june or july when we were on holidays she wanted to set up her own business and I said I'd help her do that. So we have a shop online and it's actually done better than, than any of us expected. I, I, I think I, I think our goal, I got it to write down our goals. Our goal was to sell 20 bracelets right? and our mm -hmm. five euro a bracelet and that was a hundred euro. Um, she's after making well in excess. She's, she's probably 1500 euro at, at this yeah. stage um, from a five euro bracelet, but to, to Lucy's credit and, and, she had two missions one was just she didn't really care about the money she just wanted to make people smile i thought that was really inspirational but yeah. then the second part was she said she was going to give 15 percent back to charity of whatever she earns in actual fact she's given probably more than 50 percent back to charity and wow she doesn't give them money um but for example over christmas there's um kids that come from backgrounds and families that will not get toys for christmas so there's this christmas list and that's giving out and then people can buy them so she went and took our money and went and bought i mean i i, I should show you the picture she has hundreds and hundreds of, of yeah. these toys and then she gets to go around and hands them to the kids and and, and all that and honestly it's been so inspirational watching her because it's something yeah. for me i say yeah charity's good but she's actually doing it at 10 years of age yeah and, and it's a big part of of who she is and giving back and i i i, I find with lucy is that she gives so much yeah that she's getting it back 10 times more but 
without even expecting it or wanting it. It just yeah. it just seems to gravitate back to us. So I think it's I think giving back to charity is, is fantastic. And I have to shout out to my niece. She's she's taught me a lot in this regard. On is is okay if we put the link in the show notes? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, okay, I have to say, cool. it won't be shipping to America because the shipping is too too, too expensive. But yeah. um, we normally ship around Europe and Ireland. It's it's nice, nice. And then how how does it look then for you after retirement uh, when you when you reach financial freedom? Because I can tell you what I would love to do. So let's say that I wouldn't work then anymore for for the current job that I have. What I would love to do is if, with excess cash i would love for instance to sponsor um people with a bad background financially sponsor their education or something like that like yeah. one or two students per year whatever i can afford at that time because i truly believe that education is the is the best path to wealth and yeah i see too many teenagers around me or when i speak with their parents let's say who are not having a good job that usually the children follow the path of the parents because yeah. at that time, for instance, they feel like they have to work to to support the parents and and making uh, well, you know, having an income, let's say. But there's such a waste of talent at that moment in time, and there's usually a big barrier to giving it a try. So, one of my dreams would be to to have kind of an um, my own charity then, which I will probably fund from excess cash and dividends or something like that to to help the underserved. Let's call it like that by providing a, a few people an opportunity to get a college degree or something like that and get a more meaningful job than than working uh, in a factory. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good goal to have. In terms of charity work, I've never thought that far ahead, and I know when I get to retirement, I will need to do something. I need to have a purpose because. Just traveling the world is, is not much of a purpose. It's nice to be able to do it, and I want to yeah. be able to travel, but I need to have some sort of purpose as well. And and speaking back, when I grew up, I grew up in what's probably in my area, disadvantaged area. I don't live there yeah. anymore, but it, it was very disadvantaged. Um, still is, actually, today to this day in, in that area. But what got a lot of us out of there was they had these youth groups, um, and they to people and you're basically taken off the streets you, you had somewhere to go yeah. you had somewhere and it was simple you could be playing different games you're yeah. in a safe place there's, there's adults there that were that i still talk to today actually they're fantastic people but it was always something that i'll never forget because without those you're on the street more and then when you're on the street more yeah. you don't know where you end up and i and i look at different areas of where i grew up and where people have ended up i would say the majority of them end up in jail yeah. um so it, those type of outlets so i would like to give back in that regard somehow whether that's with my own time setting up one or funding yeah. it or or something but that's probably and then one of the questions you could ask yourself because uh, a person asked me that the other day and said like like what would if you think about purpose in life like think about like this what what would you need to give to society to, to get a, a street named after you <laughs> that's interesting that's really about that was kind of like think broader than 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 that think about how you can really make an impact to your own local community or something like that but the mayor of town says like what you know what we need to name a street after this person yeah 
I'd, I'd need to have it after my full name because there is streets named after my second name. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I guess you're living in a city that's maybe declining. So the <laughs> yeah. opportunity for getting a new street name, there's probably a lot of competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th I think it's a good time to jump onto some listeners' questions. Honestly, sometimes I'm forgetting we're recording the podcast there. I was just, I would have kept chatting. But, um, Thanks for this fire chat. I mean, I see that the fire is also, we need to, put another brick on it but thanks it was very uh, very nice to listen to you interesting a different different kind of chat today um let's jump in uh yaris has asked us how are you guys going to celebrate christmas uh family lots of food uh typical dutch christmas i would say yeah we're we're, we're the same and I, I don't know about how, how you guys do it but it's a hectic day for me because we get up in the morning we have our own present exchange in, in our own house and we have a bit of fun but then we go down to my wife's father's house then i go down to my parents house and then we spend the evening down at my wife's sister's house but it's it's just on the go the only time i sit down uh, is, is just sitting down to eat the dinner but it's just on the go but it, it's so funny because my kids are so used to it that's their tradition and like as they were getting older i wanted to not do that as much. I wanted maybe to spend a lot more time on our own or or just go to one place and they're like, no dad, this is what we're doing. This is what we do every year. So it's they look forward to it. So I have to do it. So what we do is uh, we just have all family going to one place and we have one big giant dinner together. Mm -hmm. So expect 20, 20 plus people there. And uh, yeah, that's for me Christmas. Everyone coming together. Yeah. And uh, it, it saves a lot of trips as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and as long as you're not the host all is good exactly yeah, yeah. we don't have to cook everything um and uh, you don't need to spend money on it yeah uh no no to, to, be, so, fair, to be fair we do we so what we do is is quite interesting um everyone there's, there's also about 30 people sitting down for dinner but every every family will contribute so our yeah no, i'm kidding also yeah. but i'm more like to say like hey that's one way of uh <laughs> oh, yeah. hitting your savings rate <laughs> excellent go go around, go around to everyone's house over all christmas you don't have to buy any yeah, food because that's what you, what, what, I, what you made me think when you said like no we're going everywhere i think like oh it's eating everywhere drinking everywhere and then then comes home and looks at the bank account saying to the wife at the end of the week like yes. hey we've got we had a cheap christmas this year and and, <laughs> and the rest of the family is totally broke <laughs> we, we've used no energy on the house we haven't been there we bought no food i love it <laughs> um l dave has asked us what is your typical christmas food that you're going to have um yeah it's gourmet style uh, that we have so um it's kind kind of all kinds of meat fish vegetables you put it in oil or you put it on a little plate and, and you you bake it and then yeah. of course the whole house smells so it's it's everything you can get in the shop effectively yeah yeah we i mean the traditional dinner over here is turkey and ham but leading up to that you have starters we have soup we have chicken liver patties we have like there's a, a range of stuff there's probably about five yeah. or six different starters uh, you're nearly full so we nearly have a starter we need, need to take an hour or two break and then go mm -hmm. back for the turkey and ham but it's it's fun nice 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 um kay jansen what is your allocation strategy and how does your tier system work yeah, so I think uh, uh, he's referring to my article on my blog, right, about allocation strategies. So it's literally four tiers. So um, my allocation str strategy is driven by the fact of like 
what would be the impact if I have one dividend cut in my portfolio? So let's say my target is to grow my dividend organically by 6% each year. So I wouldn't like my dividend to be exposed uh, more than 6% per year of my portfolio. So generally speaking, if you're a tier one company, you shouldn't have a position size or a dividend dependency, let's say, of more than 4%. Tier two is three percent, tier three two, and then tier four one percent, which kind of limits the impact of me making a mistake in my investment decision. Yeah, so it's all about sizing, and uh, it has done me well so far. I mean, it's not a scientific methodology, right? Uh, I'm also in the accumulation phase, so I think my biggest position is probably seven or eight percent at the moment, but it's my target uh, allocation size and. And I think that's also in, uh, important to understand because it's not a flat line of building a position uh, or building a portfolio. Mm -hmm. For instance, this year, the biggest opportunity were in the insurance sector and the real estate investment trust sector. So far, in zero interest rate environment, I had no REITs really in my portfolio, only uh, Omega Healthcare. But this year, I bought a lot of realty income and agree realty as an example because this year, this sector was very attractive and other years it was staples or something like that so i don't build a portfolio by investing let's say in 40 stocks at once in a single year no i build it up over time when opportunities arise i i, I think he's asked also if we could put that in the newsletter but i don't think there's any need because you have this i have it on the blog yeah but i can put some more thoughts about it in our uh, newsletter so for people that know know what we mean here we have our premium newsletter here uh, 119 euros per year uh, 20 newsletters also a lot of dividend stock cards we have now 17 but we're adding two or three each uh, issues so i hope after a year we will have 100 stocks covered uh, with our investment thesis and everything yeah. so this is what uh, he's talking about and in there we have typically subscribers corner and the newbie corner where we uh, discuss all kinds of re relevant topics that we have and Jean Christophe has asked us about how we feel about our positions when they are well in the green. Um, they find it difficult to add to this position when they are well in the green, but can add to them gladly when they're in the red position. Yeah, this is for me one of the hardest because it's all about price anchoring. We know what price we we paid for it. We are anchored at that price. Um, but you know, sometimes these prices never come back and I'll give you an example where i've been averaging up a lot is on johnson and johnson i bought first johnson at 100 then at 120 then at 150. what for me has helped over time is to have an indication of what the fair price for the stock is to pay yeah and yeah. then just look at that price and be anchored around the fair value and and only evaluate it from time to time or when it comes when an event happened and you see like oh wait reevaluate re is it still the same fair price and then look at that and is then worth buying it it helped me a lot in averaging up otherwise i wouldn't been able to do that uh, as an example many of the stocks that i own i had to learn this it's very very hard yeah it, it, it's tough when you look at your portfolio and, you, and you're looking for something to buy and you see you have one that's well in the green sometimes it's going oh, yeah that's overvalued too expensive i don't want to buy that so i think i think you're bang on the money i think you need to to look at the fair value nearly ignore what you have and yeah. think about if i did not own this company what price would i buy them and i think that's yeah. the mindset you, you need to and ignore the price chart as well 
ignore whether it's at five fifty-two week highs or fifty-two week lows. Ignore it. it. I mean, I I maybe if you're good at technical analysis, I think there's a strong case for considering it. But I'm not good at it, so I ignore all this stuff. Yeah, truly look at uh, fair at, at only at the fair value point. I say this, but I do still not struggle. always do this. I think, yeah, I do still <laughs> yeah. struggle from time to time. Yeah, and the same. Um, Alexandros has asked us about the biggest surprise this year in the market. So I wasn't uh, really surprised with the rate interest hikes. We saw those coming. Yeah, we spoke enough about it. I was just so surprised how hit, how much it hit certain sectors like the the real estate sector. Like guys, if you just follow the stock market, we all knew that that this was happening after COVID. We were one of the first podcasts out there that was seeing in the Kimberly Clark results that inflation is starting to hit us. Yeah, uh, here, and then you know, generally the 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 ABCs are that that often interest rates will need to be hiked to fight inflation and then still that the stock market is surprised behind it and because the stock market mainly adjusts pricing once the interest rate is a reality yeah it also shows that we are not talking here about the efficient market yeah because otherwise you would argue it's priced in um, so i was surprised how how fast it got beaten up that was yeah. what i was most surprised by yeah, because I, I, it, it didn't reflect the the reality, yeah. Uh, as such, when I mean, you look outside, let's say, yeah, how how fast even certain companies declined. You look at VFC, for example, VFC yeah. Corporation. It, it seemed like they just got into trouble super quick. Bang, cut their dividend, yeah. cut it again. Um, it took its toll on a lot of companies quicker than I expected as well. I, I thought it'd be more prolonged, but then we had the, the tech stocks that just are resistant to all this. It's like yeah. they're in their own little bubble, just. Yeah, so, I, I must say AI, artificial intelligence with ChatGPT, I have a feeling that we are experiencing something that my parents experienced in the 90s with the uh, introduction of the 14K modems in the internet. Yeah, first time websites. I have a feeling that we are experiencing this now with AI. The impact of ChatGPT, I see it already in the workplace. I mean, the automation that's possible now, the, the cost reductions that are possible now, is unheard of it's really yeah. unheard of and where the I, I think the revolution has started now in ai we've been talking about it for a decade but now i see the impact to to what it can do to to companies efficiency but also to the impact to society yeah uh, not not everything positive so yeah i I can, I can see them in my workplace so automation engineer but I'm, I'm heavily involved in vision and one of my key tasks for next year 2024 is I have to introduce AI into some of our vision systems. I've been working on this for for eighteen yeah. months. It's not going to just happen, but yeah. But eighteen months ago, we we didn't know about these large language models and that it could be so powerful. And AI was still something like yeah, you know, overpaid people that work on this. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like shit. Look at this stuff. What it can do for us. Yeah, we we thought we've done lots of trials, lots of studies, and lots of comparisons, and it's mind blowing. It's it's honestly. It, some of the some of the vision systems we have it's very integrate and um, it, it's borderline pass off like yeah. it's borderline to say pass or fail but it, it, these models the larger we get it the more data we give it it just seems to have like it's, yeah. it's going to save us a lot of money and, and, and you money. know what the nice thing is you don't need to 
be uh, how you say it, with AI, what we had at the time of the tech boom. Remember the 2000? Yes. That everything went into the sky. But look at the companies that were still invented later because of the internet. Think about exactly. Facebook. Think exactly. about all those companies that only exist for 15 or 20 years in the aftermath of this. So all I'm trying to say like now, as an investor, we don't need to now be like the hero and, and discover this single AI stock that will make a difference. You know what is even the nicest? We can let it play out the market. And then once a winner really rises, yeah, start investing in it. And yes, it means that you may be a little bit late, but look at Apple. Look at Microsoft. Google. Yeah, the, 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 there's a long tail there typically. And for instance, Google was not the first uh, search engine. It oh, was Yahoo. Alta Vista. Oh, uh, Yahoo, yeah, Alta yeah. Vista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all, all I'm trying to say is like, you don't need to take the first mover. Yeah, you can take also the 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 one uh, that later really gets it right. And and I feel still feel like in, when we look at AI today, we're talking here more about the inception of those first companies here, like OpenAI. But hey, Microsoft has a stake in it. So um, yeah, we don't need to be heroes now, and we don't need to fear of missing out. A lot of compounding in this space is still ahead of us. A hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent agree. And actually, when you were speaking earlier. About AI, was the, my first thought was linked back to Google. You don't have to get in straight away. There'll be there'll be time. There's Enough time. time. And those companies are probably not even publicly listed either. They're probably not even created yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's someone now walking around with an ID thinking like, no, this is too crazy or something like that. And then one day finds the courage yeah. and builds this business and will be the next trillion dollar company. Um, Malik has asked us, what do you think, um, what stocks will you hold in a hundred years for sure a hundred years mm. from now i i find this one so hard to answer <laughs> I, I find it really hard to answer i think if you look at the because i did i did carsberg right i think if you look at companies yeah. like that for sure they'll be around in a hundred years why yeah people drink beer people drink exactly wine, people drink vodka yeah. and I, th I think those type of companies will Will definitely be around in a hundred years. I think so. I, I think also something like L'Oreal. Yeah, L'Oreal. I think women may will want to stay beautiful. Yeah, even even the Gen Z generation that uh, <laughs> sometimes doesn't use makeup at a certain moment, they will get to this age that it's not anymore the the nice cheeks, but that they need some support to lift it up. Yeah. So uh, L'Oreal will continue. I think also for the next hundred years, and you know, no offense to French people, but they don't like being taken over by by other companies internationally. Yeah, they are very patriotic. No. So I believe that a company like L'Oreal, I, I never see them being acquired. They are already at the size that nobody can acquire them as such. Yeah, so big. The only thing that can happen there is that the family screws it up themselves or something like that. Yeah, you have this woman still in the board there. Yeah. Um, Andrew has asked us, when you're doing your financial calculations by the company, do you always do it from scratch yourself or do you rely on some tool or website to assist? Well, in this case, I've got my own G sheet or we have our own calculator to do it, which we created ourselves. But I, so I don't need to rely on other websites and tools. Um, I also don't trust it, uh, other tools as such, when they have data 
already pre-populated because I don't trust the European data. That's also, again, what we are trying to do with our newsletter is, or the different growth compass service, is to build this database with correct information, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because we see it in all the APIs we have been evaluating, the European data is very poor, specifically when it comes to quarterly earnings. You, you yeah. cannot really trust them. So uh, simply said, Andy, I have to do my own calculations because otherwise I will be doing it based on wrong data and, and that will lead only to trouble. Yeah, it's actually now that we're doing it more and more pretty much all the time now, it always makes me wonder about these websites because they must pick certain values that are generic across everything. Yeah. So how, else yeah. were, how else are they able to do it so, yeah. so fast? So, and we know that's not always the case. We have to calculate the terminal values, the discount rates. Yeah. All all these different factors play into it. That is just not just easily taken from a direct number all the time. Yeah. So it's um I think it's yeah, I because think, it's more about forecasting as well, right? You need to yeah. understand the business, you need to have a feeling for the market, you need to have a feeling if there is, for instance, a, a trend going on and wider in society that this company has a strategy for. Then because based on that you can you can consider your discount rate, you can consider your growth assumptions, you can consider your terminal value if you do a discounted cash flow uh, analysis. So, you know, some people say it's an art more than science that it is, but it's also not just purely luck or guessing. Yeah, you do your homework. Yeah, so at least you limit the risk. You 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 downsize the risk of being wrong, but you can still be wrong. Yeah, so I, I think if you really want to invest based on a value, taking valuation into account, you you you, you need to inform yourself about those things. Yes. And yes, I do read opinions of others, which helps me, but in the end, I am accountable for it then. So I need to make the right judgment. But these automatic websites that I sometimes get screenshots from, like, oh, you say like this and and for instance, Ahold is fair value 35 on this website. And then I see it's kind of an AI. And here we're still talking about dump AI to your point, using the wrong input parameters. It it, it means nothing to me when yeah. I see this. It also doesn't disclose based on what they do it uh, and as such. It's just a formula that for some companies works well, but for many other companies not, because you don't, for instance, you take free cash flow, but oh wait, it's an insurance company that doesn't really work on free cash flow like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would much rather be wrong knowing I put in the work myself. Yeah, exactly. Then looking at a website and be, still being wrong. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ron A has asked us: Do you ever regret selling shares that you've gotten from a spin-off? No, because I don't remember really getting spin-off shares. I mean, I I, I had one. Real Energy Company one time for Siemens. Uh, Real Income spun off Orion, wasn't it? He got some shares from that. Oh, I think I sold them. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I think for me the the iconic spin-offs were probably what is it, Philips and Eltria. Yeah. Um, Abbott Laboratories and Apfi. Yeah. And but I never had this in my portfolio, so I can't really judge. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mick has asked us, um, he's finally back into the green after a year of red. Like us all, like us all, Mick. Um, he's enjoying DCAing into his stocks when it's back to the green. But I suppose it's a long question, but he, what he's trying to ask here is, while he's in the green, should he continue to invest regularly and average up? 
or is it the wrong time to invest? Should we wait for it to come back down? It is a rhetorical question. Yeah. yeah so uh, Mick knows the answer already. So the question back is like, what, what, why do you, why do you doubt Mick? Because it seems you know what we would answer. Probably listened enough to us. So yeah, I would just because, uh, for instance, we were just talking about averaging up how difficult it is. DCAing is also uh, one way of uh, avoiding being price anchored because averaging up is is hard and i mean okay let's talk about uh, microsoft imagine i bought microsoft around in, in the low 40s right um, uh, at the time and then i bought one more time at 80 or something like that imagine if i wouldn't have done that yeah look at how much money i would have missed yeah. um, there are many of such look, think about johnson johnson imagine if i wouldn't have bought them in the green I would have lost so much opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, as, as as you said, I think you know the answer. We've we've spoke about this before. It, it's hard. I know it's hard, but it's just about reshaping your your mindset. I think. I I think what Nick needs to do is just stick to a strategy for let's say two years. Give yourself two years for strategy, and and let it and and then evaluate after two years how it did. And two years is even a short time horizon because if we now enter a big global recession next year stock market crash i think then you shouldn't evaluate it like that yeah um but give yourself two years and see how you did with averaging up whether you feel like across the board it was a mistake or not yeah and i'm i think he will be thankful that he did it because he will have seen that strength just continues to grow and you should buy into strength yeah. it's sometimes even better than buying into weakness 100 um, MH79 has asked us, do you ever use fear and greed indexes to get in general stock market valuation? No. Nope, I don't either. Um, we've got a couple of questions from Eldev and Kajolas um, asking us about bonds. Um, have you ever considered to park cash? Are you 100% long? Um, and then there's a couple of tickers there for bond ETFs. Yeah so i have considered buying bonds i'm still considering sometimes um but at the moment saving rates on my account when i put them in a deposit for a few months also give me five percent so if i then take a bond also for five percent it's too much trouble for me to figure out which bond and everything um also so then you have still um i said if you take long bonds long duration bonds you have still a significant risk on on losing capital gains let's say so for me the in poland we get five percent on the stock uh on, on the on the savings account if, and, and probably even more in some areas if you find the right bank which is much better than in the netherlands i still have a little account in the netherlands where i get one percent or something like that it's by the way a scam what banks are doing in the netherlands they are not passing on the uh, the interest rates to the customers and customers in the netherlands are just saving oriented they complain but they don't switch banks they don't punish banks for not doing that for me it's a scam because you know those banks have been bailed out so often they get one fine after another for the for 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 the uh, let's say manipulation of of the currency market or something like that, and then they continue paying one percent or something like that on uh, to customers. I, I really find that uh, it, it's criminal almost because banks are not normal capitalistic systems. They are heavily regulated, depend on 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 
bailouts when 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 shit hits the fan and and then they are now just giving one percent like what, what what is this yeah clearly there's too little competition in the netherlands in the banking system these these companies shouldn't exist with these rates yeah um also listen to episode 172 i think we, we yeah. spoke about our thoughts on bonds on that as well and yeah. um, Daz mikey has asked us about how we categorize stocks um he does it in a couple of different buckets we spoke about this before but he has low growth high dividend um decent growth and dividend and then low dividend and high growth as he gets closer to financial independence he'll probably focus more on income and decrease growth what do you think do you do something similar um i don't categorize like that but i do have it in my mind so i i i do want when i say high quality i i would like more lower growth uh, sorry lower yield high growth for instance than high yield low growth so i do have it in my mind but i'm not let's say having a categorization of allocation percentages behind yeah. it it's, it's it, i think it's a nice exercise for me to do maybe one time to classify my portfolio it shouldn't take more than 20 minutes so maybe i'll do it yeah, thanks I for the inspiration mike I, I did it at the start of last year and I, I don't look at it throughout the year and I'll do it again maybe at, at the start of yeah. this year. But I'd probably follow a similar path as you get closer yeah. to FI, you need income. So you, you'll prioritize income over, over growth. But we'll see. That, that could yeah. change. I'm, I'm a long way off that yet. Yeah. Um, Dividend Dad is from Sweden and he is wondering about having the majority of his portfolio in dividend ETFs. He understands that the growth year over year isn't positive sometimes, but overall the 10-year period has a dividend CAGR of 6 to 7% per year. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, um, so my issue is with, my issue how I evaluate my holdings is like, imagine I'm living off of those, of those, of this income, and imagine that your income uh, expense ratio is 100%. Would you like a year of dividend cuts in your portfolio? Loss of income. Now, what I don't know what the average, uh, how is it, volatility is in the dividend income from ETS for his portfolio. But if it's 10%, it's probably you can deal with it if you have somewhere uh, a bit of a margin of safety. Then it's probably, probably okay. But if I look, for instance, at the dividend ETFs that are paying high dividends in, in Europe, those are typically uh, having a flat dividend income for many years. But then, for instance, one year is four euro, the next year is five euro, but it's always floating around between four and five euro. Yeah. So you don't get growth uh, or anything either in return. So, um, but if the ten-year CAGR is six to seven percent, then I would be interested. For a small percentage of my portfolio if the yield is at least three percent because then you get like a ten percent annualized return yeah. otherwise it's not worth it for me and i think there's the fusd but they you, the the dividend aristocrat etf you see its right i think it's fusd but then probably it yields only 1.5 percent and then getting a six or seven percent gagger is for me not worth it because it takes so so many years to get to a decent income um, Jan has asked us, what quality stocks did you buy this year that you are really happy with? And what opportunities did you miss and regret? I'm really happy with Agri Realty. 
Yeah. Um, I see it as a high quality real estate investment trust. I'm really happy with my ASR position, the insurance company Netherlands. I see it also as high quality. Uh, the one that I missed, I was uh, at a certain moment this year, I was looking at Visa huh. and I should have bought some. I should have just initiated the position. So that's the one that I probably regret a little bit. I don't have too many regrets yeah, sometimes. I yeah. I, I don't have I don't have any any regrets actually because the, the market gave us so many opportunities. But um, the one stock I'm really happy with is CRH, the Irish construction mm. company, uh, particularly with uh, they were on the London Stock Exchange, and I felt they were really really undervalued compared to their peers, particularly in the US. Yeah. Then they've changed to the US listing, and they're they're now catching up to their peers. Um, so in, in a short space of time, they've they've become one of my most successful stocks. I think yeah. wasn't this the stock that I was telling you every time, Derek? Yes, have you read about CRH already? <laughs> when will you look at CRH? Right? And yeah. Then I almost forced you to look into it, and then you started to like it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You, you twisted my hand. That that and DCC. Although I don't have oh DCC did well right this year. Yeah. It yeah. Uh, popped up after the last earnings suddenly, and it's now. I think I have fifteen percent in the plus or something like that in a single year. Yeah, my, it, it was good because I needed a bit of confirmation of my investment thesis. Yeah, I I didn't buy enough DCC at the time. I know I bought a starter position, but they they always kind of just hovered there, and I I keep yeah. forgetting about them. But like you, yeah, I was I was only looking back recently. Um, they done well. Blackstone has done quite well for me as well, uh, buying them at a certain price. But CIH is, if I was to pick one, um, high quality that I'm really really happy with. Happy with that one. Nice, nice. By the way, I didn't buy CRH myself, right? Uh, no, way. because I, uh, it was about cement. I don't have a feeling for the business, but all the all the stuff what I read about it and what I analyzed showed this is quality. Yeah. Um, Vince has asked us about our take on Signify, and before you answer, I have to apologize for Vince because he wrote to me on Instagram. I must say about uh, a couple of months ago, and I've only seen it now. So I've promised him we would answer this question today. So Signify is a spin-off from Philips. Yes, you know, Philips is a horrible company from performance. They got again a litigation, I believe, or recall uh, something like that this week. So it's uh, fun, oh, fun again. But uh, Signify is the the lighting former lightning decision decision uh, division from uh, Philips. Um, very low value, typically a very low multiple, typically as well. Um, I mean, I think it's now, according to Google, it's like a 16 multiple. It went up, I must say, over the last uh, month. So it was trading at a certain moment at 23 euros in October, and it's now 30 euros. So it really, really bounced back. Look, what is nice about this company? It's still generally generating cash flow earnings, but the stock market generally considers company like. Kind of old industry or something like that yeah and so it doesn't reward this company very well in the multiple um uh, here and but there's also a really nice dividend payer i think what is it since it's since it's um a spin-off it, uh, it has done prop pretty decently and i like it uh actually i've been considering sometimes that this this company that pops up from my radar and never pulled me into buying it uh, yet uh, I think it has a forward dividend yield of almost 5%. I think the dividends, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done a full safety assessment, but I consider it relatively safe. It's not the strongest. But, you know, then I go to the shop here, to the Castorama, which is this French uh, kind of uh, French kind of Home Depot. 
I go there and I see and, and I ask for a good quality lightning and I look at the producer, it's Signify. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm 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 not one bit surprised at that. So uh, for me, it's still one of those, it's probably the company with the best lighting solutions in Europe, at least from what I can say. So and and we need lighting. Yeah. We need lots of lighting to, yeah. to, to improve our safety on the roads, wherever it is, in the tunnels. We need smart lighting. This company has it all. Back 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 in my days when I was on the tools, um, Philips was always Philips Philips lighting as it was, yeah. it's no signify, but Philips lighting was always top off the range. So if, if someone had money to spend, it was good. And they were really early in the automation side as well. And yeah, it was, it was always top quality. Um what I do like about them is they also have a clear dividend policy where they want to increase the dividend year on year. So they are committed, committed to that. They have a decent history of paying them since them since the spin-off. Um so yeah, like like you, it's a company I, I, I know, it's a company that I like, but it's a company that's never been on my radar. It's it's just never it's been up. even on my radar. I just never pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, because usually when I look at it, it's when they are again at a 16 or 70 PE, and I see that there are sometimes opportunities to buy this company at a 10 PE or yeah. something like that, or 11 PE. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that's I'm price anchored probably around the uh, multiple, but high quality products, I would say, not the highest quality business, probably if decent quality so you want them at an undervalued price not at a fair price that's how i look at this yeah yeah uh, i can see this ending up one day in my portfolio um and then last question of the day goes to simon um and simon has asked us which dividend stock purchase would you put on santa's good list um and which would you place on santa's naughty list yeah, I don't know what 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 we mean with naughty list because I I don't know any stocks that are listed in the sex industry or something like that would be interesting <laughs> if there's like a ticker symbol come or something like that. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we should try it. I think I did one time uh, look into those naughty ones. Um, I I really I really don't know what what about you derek help me out there yeah yeah in terms of the good list i think we spoke about that already which ones we're really happy yeah. with crh is is, is yeah. top of the list um which ones are on the nord list honestly this year i'm not too concerned with anything i bought i didn't buy any at t didn't buy any walgreens or intel or yeah. those types of companies um, yeah. really being insurance um insurance, oh, buyer um, buyer oh did you buy some buyers no, I didn't buy, but I held it, which yeah. I shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> thirty euros now, and again, uh, uh, what was it? They they lost again a litigation or something like that with Roundup. It's like this poison cup just doesn't finish. It's yeah. so I think it will stop when the the company is at zero. I mean, sometimes that wondering like, is this company just with Monsanto going all the way to zero? Yeah, it's still cash flow rich. But if you see what they need to pay, it's effectively every time every cash flow that comes in is a check to the to the to the victims of cancer and 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 such. I'd actually love to go back and listen to our podcast, the worst acquisition in history. I can't I can't remember what year or yeah. season or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or number it was, but I'd love to go back because probably two years ago, and yeah. I don't see anything has changed in that time. Yeah, and, and we have a listener. Um, his name is Miwa. She wrote to in Investor Relations there. He shared with me the email uh, complaining about the governance and such. 
and you, you will not believe the response. They did an evaluation of the board and its governance and such, and <laughs> and they felt like it, the acquisition related was all done well, due diligence was in place and such. And I, and I think like, yeah, this is the typical situation of a doctor saying like, well, you know, the surgery was successful, but yeah, sorry, patient died. Yeah. But now uh, the, the, the doctor did everything according to the procedure, yeah. You know somebody's done a pew matrix somewhere along the line and they made the decision based on that to buy and they're sticking with it yeah but this is what i mean right when i hear such evaluation it should be more a performance evaluation yeah because why would someone do i mean what is then the expectation that someone did fraud yeah 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 we we we, we trust our ceos to make good decisions and uh, sorry to follow a certain logic in decision making but that's not why they are CEO. They are CEO because they were outstanding and 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 not about, I would say, following a certain logic in decision made, but but being right most of the times. Yeah. Specifically yeah. when it comes to investment decisions about 63 billion. Yeah. And if if they make these investment decisions, they earn across their tenure as a CEO many millions plus stock option yeah. reward schemes that they get heavily compensated for the risk. But then when it doesn't play out, we don't see the clawbacks happening. We don't see the punishment happening. So for me, at this kind of almost a form of subsidy that we're giving to CEOs, but there's no downside risk other than getting fired. And, and that didn't even happen at Bayer. The, the guy didn't get fired. He, he kind of stepped down. Yeah. Um, but that hopefully there was enough pressure around it. But there was not, nothing here like that really made clear like in the com communication like okay fine thank you for the last six seven years but you screwed up so uh, we need to have a better ceo yeah and that concludes our christmas show we ended on a christmas cheery note <laughs> yes 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 uh, we yeah. still have a lot of questions about many stock yeah, tickers we'll pick them up in the future no. We just simply can't get to it. This show is already more than one and a half hour. We hope really people enjoyed our fire chat. We went a bit deeper, a deeper conversation this time. So, um, but that, yeah. that's the spirit of Christmas, right? Yeah, and Derek, to you, please ha enjoy your holidays. I know you had a tough weekend uh, uh, behind you. So, um, enjoy your holidays and spend time well with your family. And I'm really looking forward to the live show next week uh, yeah. with some of our listeners. Yeah, me happy, too. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Many happy returns. And to all our listeners, if you listened this long, thank you so much. And I hope you and your family have a nice, safe and healthy Christmas. And we will see you all soon. Remember, both of us at Dividend Talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education. We are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Hence, this is not investment advice. Although we do our best, we can promise that the information discussed is always correct, nor appropriate for you or anybody else. We always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices. As we always say, you can't borrow conviction from others. Last but not least, by listening to our podcast, you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications, financial or otherwise, that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast.